Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your marriage and your sex life. And this is episode, gosh, what is it? I think it's 207 of the Bear Marriage Podcast. And I am joined by my husband, Keith. Hey, everybody. And this is going to be the definitive, the absolute <laughs> obligation sex message podcast. Right. It's one of the things that I get asked for the most is questions about obligation sex, about withholding sex, about but what do you say about the do not deprive versus and this is something we talk about like constantly, but I but whenever people say, Do you have something I can show my husband or my pastor? I have like, okay, we'll have them listen to these five different podcasts and read these six different posts. And so what I'm trying to do this month on the blog as we are working through our obligation sex series is to have a couple of posts where they're just standalone. This is everything you want to know. Mm-hmm. And that's what this podcast is too. So this is everything that you want to know about obligation sex and how we talk about it and how we think about it. Mm-hmm. So are you ready? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So before, but before, of course, we, we jump into that. Um, I just want to say a big thank you and shout out to our wonderful patrons whose money helps support um, everything that we do, including especially our research. And we're going to be starting a huge um, marriage survey um, mm-hmm. coming up that they are funding. And you can join our patron group for as little as $5 a month. You get access to unfiltered podcasts, to our book club, which is really fun. Um, we just started that looking at Shannon Harris's new book this month um, and so much more. So go ahead and join our patron. It is at patreon.com slash bear marriage. And another way that you can support us, can you pass me that babe, is by buying our merch. This is my water cup that I use all the time. It's an insulated mug. You can use it for coffee too, but I love it because it keeps water cold. And this is our biblical womanhood um, prayer and tent pegs and prophecy and leadership and preaching the gospel to all who will hear that is biblical womanhood. We have another um, biblical womanhood uh, design. We have our She Deserves Better and we even have a biblical manhood now. So check out our merch. It's super fun. And when you buy it, it helps support our blog and podcast as well. Okay, babe. All right. Are you ready for obligation sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you're talking about how this is our obligation sex podcast. I'm like, you mean the anti-obligation yeah. sex podcast? Right? <laughs> all right. So um, first of all, right. what is obligation sex? Well, obviously it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody agrees it's bad. Yeah, unfortunately, ultimately don't. And they use these messages. And when we were looking at our research for she, for our book, The Great Sex Rescue, mm-hmm. um, we surveyed 20,000 women to find out how certain evangelical teachings affected their sex and marriage. And we also did a huge review of 13 of the best-selling sex and marriage books. Right. In evangelicalism, and we marked those 13 books on um, a 12-point rubric on healthy sexuality. You can download that. I will put the link in the notes where you can download our rubric and see. But of those 12 points, the one that the book scored the worst on, I Mm -hmm. think they scored 1.2 out of 4. So that's really bad (laughs) on average, was the obligation sex message. So this is everywhere in Christian literature. But nobody teaches it. Right. Yeah, they all right. said, but we don't... Because this is, this is the thing. It's like, writers all the time, oh, well, obviously obligation sex is bad, but, <laughs> you know, women should have sex more often. So, yeah, so let's, let's give you some example. Obligation sex is a woman needs to have sex every 72 hours, um, or a man will get really uncomfortable and he might look at porn. Yeah, exactly. So I don't preach obligation sex. Mm-hmm. I just tell women that if they don't have sex with their husband for 72 hours... He's going to be tempted to do porn. That's not me preaching obligation sex. <laughs> yeah. That's just me telling her facts. Exactly. Come um, on. Obligation sex is doing what Jimmy Evans from Exo Marriage does, where he says God gave women the gift of sex and mm-hmm. men the need for sex. I know. I find that terrible. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like what it's saying is that men need sex. Yeah. And it's like they can't go without it. Right. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, that's yeah. the beautiful thing. That God has given men a need for something that women can satisfy. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Mm, um, crazy. Obligation sex is when Emerson Egerich says that a man will come under satanic attack if he doesn't ejaculate. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we don't preach obligation sex. But right. if you don't, then he's going to be sitting duck for the devil. Yeah. And it's kind of your fault, but we don't preach obligation sex. Yeah. And I have a couple of other examples that I just want to use. Okay. First of all, the book Love Dare. We haven't talked about this book much. I'm actually going to do a one sheet on it pretty soon, I think, because mm-hmm. it's it's it just sells so well. 
I think people use this a lot as like a devotional or premarital. It's 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 probably the best selling marriage devotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's pretty. It's got some really problematic stuff in it too. But let me let me read you this because here's an extended passage that just is obligation sex. This same oneness is a hallmark of every marriage. In the act of romance, we join our hearts to each other in an expression of love. We are not to share the same experience with any anyone else, but we are weak. And when this legitimate needs goes unmet, when it's treated as being selfish and demanding by the other, our hearts are subject to being drawn away from marriage, tempted to fulfill this longing somewhere else. To counteract this tendency, God established marriage with a one flesh ment- mentality. And then they go on to quote 1 Corinthians 7, which we'll be talking about in a minute. <laughs> Sex is not to be used as a bargaining chip. It is not something that God allows us to withhold without consequence. Though there can certainly be abuses to this divinely designed framework, the heart of marriage is one of giving ourselves to each other to meet the other's needs. So again, sex is framed as this need. If you withhold, you're in sin. Um, and if you withhold, the other person will go looking elsewhere. Yeah. In- so Instead of saying, if one person is not interested, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with yeah. the relationship? Yeah. 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 Here's another example from um, Kevin Lehman from Sheet Music. He says... There may be times when you have sex out of mercy, obligation, or commitment and without any real desire. Yes, it may feel forced. It might feel planned and you may fight to stop yourself from just shoving your partner away and saying enough already. But the root issue is this. You're acting out of love. You're honoring your commitment. And that's a wonderful thing to do. So having sex when you feel forced, like you want to shove someone away, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he, yeah. he says, if you're not willing to commit yourself to having sex with this person two to three times a week for the rest of your life, don't get married. So those are all examples of the obligation sex message. And I know a lot of people listening are saying, but that's true. That's what the Bible says. And we should be doing that. So why are you criticizing it? So let's let's jump in. Sure. Um, let's look at where the biblical support for obligation sex actually comes from. So Love Dear um, quoted it. Most people, when they're talking about this quota, mm-hmm. they, they talk about depriving. But but I want to say something before you go on to this, is that what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're using a Bible verse to prove something they've already decided is true, mm-hmm. right? So they make it sound like I go to the Bible and the Bible tells me mm-hmm. this is the way things are. But as we talk about this verse, you're going to see that's actually not what the verse says. They've got the mentality in their mind already that sex is this need that men have, that women have to give to them. Mm-hmm. And then they see in the Bible something that proves that for them. Yeah. As opposed to saying, hey, if someone doesn't want sex in our marriage, what's going on? Like, yeah. what, how do we fix that? How do we make this something that both of us can enjoy? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so go ahead and tell about the, the, the proof text verse that they use to prove that women right. have to have sex when they don't want to. All right, so here we go. First Corinthians 7. Holy cow, do I ever need reading glasses? All right, we shall try this without them. Um, so it says, The husband should fulfill his marital duties to his wife, and likewise the wife to the husband. For the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to the husband. And likewise the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to the wife. And do not deprive each other, except by mutual consent and for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that uh, no one will be tempted by your lack of self-control. Okay, so that is 1 Corinthians 7, 3 to 5. Okay. <laughs> and this is the verse that people use to say, see, you're not supposed to deprive each other. Mm-hmm. So, but let's take a look at this verse and ask, what is this actually saying? So first of all, think back 20 years and you have two little girls, eight and six, and they come to you at four in the afternoon and say, daddy, can I have an ice cream sandwich? Mm-hmm. If you say no, are you depriving them of food? Yes, I know. No, you're not. That's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> right. No. That that may be a request, but it doesn't. It's not a right. Now you can't. You have to feed your children, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you have to give them whatever they want whenever they they want it. Exactly, because the need is not for ice cream sandwiches whenever you want. The need is for nutritious right. food. And so, you know, the need here, and we're going to go on in a minute to talk more about what the biblical definition of sex is, but the need here is for a relationship where sexual intimacy feeds it, mm-hmm. you know, where you're feeling united, Yeah. right? That is what you're not supposed to deprive each other of, is this feeling, this unitive aspect, all right? right? Whereas people who preach the obligation sex message, they really believe it's an issue of a biologic release, Mm -hmm. right? And so Mm -hmm. when they read Corinthians, they see 
do not deprive each other of physical release. Mm-hmm. And Egrich does this all the time, all through love and respect. Yeah, he, he actually talks... calls sex physical release. Yeah. Not not just not and not a woman's physical release, a man's physical release, because he actually says women don't need physical release. Yeah. So it's about physical release, and mm-hmm. that's what sex is. So they see this verse and they go, see, women, you can't deprive him of this need he has for physical release. Mm-hmm. But if you read the whole verse, it says the, the the woman can't deprive the man, but it also says the man can't deprive the woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like, at some level, you've got to realize maybe this isn't saying what I think it's saying because in my mentality, men have this need and women don't. Yeah. And women need to make sure that need is met for the men. And the men need to make sure the, we, the need for the women that they don't actually have right. is met. Right. Like, so yes. at some point you should go, whoa, maybe I'm understanding sex in a way that the Bible doesn't talk about sex. Yeah, because the book Every Heart Restored, actually, in the part of the Every Man's Battle series, mm-hmm. um, written by Fred Stoker and Steve Arterburn, when they talk about this passage, they say this passage guarantees sexual release to men, just as First Peter three guarantees, you know, honor to women. So right. they actually say this passage doesn't give women anything, even though this passage is completely and utterly mutual. Yeah. Everything that the man gets, she gets too, yeah. and the expectation is that she will want it in the same way that he does. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. okay. The ne- the other thing is like, what is the context in which Paul is writing this in Corinth? And we often miss that because what was happening in Corinth at a time? Because you need to remember that letters are written to specific people at a specific time. And mm-hmm. so, if we're going to understand what Scripture is saying, we need to know what that context was. And in this context, people who were married in Corinth, they all thought Jesus was coming back tomorrow. Right? Like, just right. come back any minute. And so they thought it was holier to abstain from sex and just go about serving the Lord wholeheartedly. And so mm-hmm. this was the proper thing to do. And so married people were saying, I'm not going to have sex anymore. And they were leaving their spouses really in the lurch. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is saying, hold on a second, hold on a second. Don't deprive each other. Yeah. So he's not saying you get to have sex any minute that you want. He's not saying as soon as the urge comes upon you, you should be able to have sex and get released. <laughs> he was just saying, don't don't vow abstinence forever, yeah. you know, and don't vow abstinence for that long. I mean, okay. And then he's saying, okay, sure. If you want to, yeah, if you want to prepare for, prayer, a while. for fasting, go for it. But, you know, don't do it forever. That was the context. It wasn't like, hey, you know what, guys? Every time you feel the urge for sex, you should be able to meet that urge. Mm-hmm. Like, does that sound like God at all? Yeah. Does that sound like what we know of the Bible at all? That as soon as you feel an urge for something, you are entitled to see that urge fulfilled? Mm-hmm. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. See, and this is the thing is the, the, Christian, the Christian virtue is chastity, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so what's happened in evangelical purity culture is this idea that you don't have sex until you're married. And then once you're married... You know, it's great because now the release valve can go off and it doesn't matter. You don't have to control your sexuality. And that is not Christian. Mm -hmm. Like the Christian mentality is I am in control of my sexual desires. Sexual desires are a good thing and they're part of being a human being. But I don't just let those run me. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to be in charge of that. So before I'm married, it means I divert that energy into other things. Mm -hmm. And when I'm married, I, I only engage that in a mutual respectful relationship with a willing partner. Mm-hmm. I don't just expect it out of her because otherwise I'm going to sin. Yeah. Right? And and this is the whole thing. This is not the 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 purity culture view out there of sex is great because now you don't have to worry about temptation anymore. Mm-hmm. Is so ridiculous. And yeah. this is what was happening in the 1st century. In the 1st century they were saying, "Okay, chastity is great, so therefore the ultimate chastity. I'm married, but I will never have sex anyway." Mm-hmm. that's even better. And Paul's going, whoa, chill, dude. Yeah, like, chill, dude. You're married. It's okay. Yeah. Like, if you want to pray for a while and take it off the table so you can devote yourself to God more, yeah. by all means, go ahead. Yeah. But just for a time, because yeah. it's unwise to vow your entire life that you will not ever yeah. have sex again. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to do that. Yeah. And that's the context, not you get to whenever you want to. And the other person has no say in that. Yeah. That's crazy. It absolutely is. Okay. Something else from that passage. Mm-hmm. Imagine someone reading this letter. Right. In Corinth. Okay. And it says, uh, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. And by this time, people are falling asleep because they all know that. Mm-hmm. And then Paul says, and in the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to the wife. And all right. of a sudden, everyone wakes up and they're like, what? 
Because in those days, yeah. husbands literally owned their wives' bodies. So to say the wife's body belongs to the husband, whatever. People would sleep through that. But he says, in the same way. Mm-hmm. That was revolutionary. So the revolutionary aspect of this passage is the mutuality. Yeah. And so when we use this passage to stress men have a right to use their wife's body, mm-hmm. we're actually missing the point that Paul put that on its head. Right. And he was saying, no, men don't have a right to the wife's body. It's completely mutual. And this needs to be, <laughs> you know, it, they don't have a right to just use their wife because that's what they did in Rome. Yeah. No, it's like, this is mutual. You each are with each other, but you don't have a right to just use her because she also has claim on you. And so right. she can say no. Well, and you've had people argue with you saying, it's very clear the husband has authority over the wife's body. And so the wife mm-hmm. doesn't have any any option, right? Yeah. But it's like, okay, if that's the case, then this is the, this is the theoretical conversation that happens. Um, I want sex tonight. And the wife says, no, I don't. And the mm-hmm. husband says, well, I have authority over your body and your body is having sex tonight. Yeah. And the wife says, that's okay, because I have authority over your body and your body is not. Exactly. So go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> make, me feel, make me feel good. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I have authority over your body. So, yeah. and, but they don't believe that. They, they, they think mm-hmm. the thing is really just about women doing what husbands need. Yeah. Okay. So the next question. Because it's typically that, right? Yes. Are you going to talk about women the other way? Because sometimes... It happens the other direction where it's like she wants to, but he does. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the whole point is that this is mutual. It isn't mm-hmm. about it, it, it. We we frame this as a men get sex because they want it mm-hmm. um, and women need to provide it. But really, this passage assumes that both genders are going to want sex yeah. and that both genders have a say. Mm-hmm. That's what this passage is saying. Okay, next question from this passage is what is it that you aren't supposed to deprive each other of? Right. Right. And we already said like it's not the ice cream sandwich at four in the afternoon, mm-hmm. you know? When we think of this as just, I get to have an orgasm whenever I want one, Mm -hmm. then we think that this passage, that sex is only about me getting my orgasm. That's not biblical sex. So let's just look. It's a a very selfish, self-focused view of sex. I mean, as as opposed to seeing sex as something that comes out of the relationship that the two of you share, it's it's very one-sided. Exactly. So biblically, what is sex? Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you quickly through three passages that show us, all right? Genesis 4, verse 1, Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived a son. And I remember being in junior high and hearing this verse and laughing in the pew with all my friends thinking, isn't that funny because God's embarrassed of using the real word there. But when I got older and I took a look at it, you realize the Hebrew root for the word to know is the same root that is used in the Psalms when David says, search me and know me, O God. And I believe God put that word there deliberately to say to us that sex is more than just physical. It is a deep and intimate longing to to know each other Mm -hmm. in every level. So it isn't just us physically bearing our bodies. It is us emotionally bearing our souls. It is coming to the table with everything that we are. And if you're going to put obligation on that, what you're really saying is you don't matter. So it's Mm -hmm. not a knowing, it's an erasing of a person. Mm-hmm. because if you don't matter, if your needs don't matter, if your desires don't matter, if I get to use you whenever I want, then it's no longer a knowing. And obligation and intimacy cannot coexist. So biblically, sex is something which is intimate from Genesis 4.1. It is pleasurable for both from Song of Solomon. Okay, so the expectation is that they both will have fun. If you count the words in that book, she says more words than he does. She wants sex. She likes sex. And then from 1 Corinthians 7, we know it's totally mutual. This is something they both want. Mm -hmm. So biblically, sex is not just a man's physical release. It isn't something that a man needs and a woman gives. Biblically, sex is intimate, mutual, and pleasurable for both. Mm-hmm. I think obligation sex just erases the beauty of sex, mm-hmm. you know, because if sex is supposed to be these two people and everything that we are together, we are expressing because sex is this expression of who we are at every level. Sex is play where we get to laugh and just have fun together and relax. Sex just brings so much good to the table when it is life giving. When it is those three things. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we create an obligation, it's no longer life-giving. It's a taking from someone. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay. 
No. And anyone who thinks that God wants that has a very distorted view of God. And it makes me wonder what they think God is like. Well, and I wonder what it's like. So, you know, a person says, well, sometimes you don't want to, but you should anyway. It's like, well, do you really want to make love with a person who's really not into it? Like, that's, mm -hmm. it's if, if she doesn't want to tonight, then why do you still want to? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, why don't you want to figure out what's going on? Like, yeah. you know, because if your relationship is good and things are great, you're both going to be desiring this. And, you know, sometimes, you know, one of you is going to be tired and one of you is not and all that kind of stuff. And those kind of things happen in life. But if it's like you want to and she doesn't, if the answer is, well, she better. Mm-hmm. How is that a, a good relationship? Mm -hmm. Like, I think a good, caring husband would be like, oh, well, well, why not? Are you just tired? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. what's happening? Right? Like, wh why is there no curiosity to explain that? Yeah. Why is it couched always as a, well, he needs it, so he better get it? Mm -hmm. And that's such a terrible way. I, I think men are better than that. Yeah, men definitely are better than that. And you know, in our survey of 20,000 women for the Great Sex Rescue, um, we did find that uh, eighteen percent of women said that they that their primary motivation for having sex was guilt, and that afterwards their primary emotion was feeling used. Yeah. So in those cases, sex is not something which brought that couple together. Sex, having sex, made her feel more distant than not having sex. Mm -hmm. And and this is the problem um, when we use the word sex to encompass so many different things. Like sex can mean something which is intimate, pleasurable, and mutual. Or sex can mean he uses her for what he wants, or she uses him. Those are two very different things, but we use the same word. Mm -hmm. And so when we say, well, you know, you're not supposed to deprive each other of sex, okay, but if sex is something which makes her feel used, right? how is she being deprived by not having it? Mm -hmm. The truth is she's being deprived by having it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you cannot deprive someone of something which hurts them. <laughs> yeah. You cannot yeah. deprive someone of something which is bad for them. It's not called deprivation then. It's called right. rescue. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if she is never reaching orgasm, if she feels distant when they have sex, if she feels used because he's using porn and then he just acts out on her and she feels completely dissociated from him, she is already being deprived Right. And those verses don't even apply in that case in that way, mm -hmm. as we normally use them. She is the one who is already being deprived. Okay. Another thing is that obligation sex sees sex as something which is separate from the relationship. And I've got a great example of this. Okay. All right. Sounds so good. intended for pleasure told women that after um, you give birth, okay, so postpartum okay. period where you can no longer have intercourse, you're supposed to provide the man through manual stimulation um, the same level of ejaculation, climaxes, etc. Release. Cetera. They usually say the word release yes. as a euphemism. Um, right? as, as you did before pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your main goal after you have pushed a human being out of your hoo-ha <laughs> right. and you're exhausted and milk has come in and you still have those huge pads that feel like yeah, diapers. Yeah. And if you had a C-section, you know, you're still healing from that yeah. and your womb is still like contracting all the time your main goal is to make sure that he still gets the same number of ejaculations as he did before right so what that is saying is no matter what she is experiencing or feeling sex needs to look exactly the same mm -hmm. so no matter what is going on in your life sex can't change because sex needs to look exactly the same right. and another example um which is, which is the exact opposite of what we teach, which is that sex is something that grows out of the health of your relationship. Yeah. And it's an expression of the love you have for each other in that relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is also... So if your relationship really... changes, your sex life's going to change. That's reality. Yeah. Right? I think there's a lot of couples, especially, you know, you have you have babies, right? Like you have, mm. let's say you have three kids under three. Yeah. And you're only having sex maybe once a week or maybe even not even that, right? Yeah. Um, and you start feeling like there's something wrong with us because we're not having sex the same way we did before we had kids. And oh my gosh, we better get back to that. And you start feeling like there's something wrong with your marriage. Right. When really both of you are fine with just having sex once a week because you're both exhausted, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But instead of seeing that once a week as being, oh, isn't this great that we can connect? You feel like failures because sex is supposed to look the same no matter what. Because this right. is what we're taught, right? No matter what goes on, sex needs to look the same. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a pan I heard about a panel discussion. A bunch of, of megachurch pastors were on this panel um, after a marriage conference. And the question came up, 
my husband just confessed to using porn and I want to do a 90 day sex fast, which is often that a lot of counselors recommend this. This is actually quite a normal treatment when when porn has been right. disclosed is that you take sex off the table for at least 90 days right. to learn how to re, like reconnect and so that he can reset yeah. and you can figure out what intimacy is. So that's a very normal thing. Most counselors will do this. And it was asked, is it okay if I take sex off the table? And she was told no, because that's depriving him. So even when he has betrayed her, mm-hmm. even when she feels betrayal, trauma or and grief and all these horrific things, sex must look exactly the same. Right. Because he cannot possibly be expected, you know, not to get the sexual release that he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Even really though crazy. Paul in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7 does say that it's okay for it to take it off mm-hmm. the table for a time yes. to devote yourself to prayer, right. which you might want to do after you've just become <laughs> clean on a ma- massive porn addiction. A yes. time of prayer would be a good idea. Yeah, but strangely, that verse never gets quoted in those contexts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they, they actually quote the opposite. They say, well, if you want to help him with his porn, you need to have sex with him more. Yeah. Yeah, because because the church equates porn and sex, yes. which is a hideous, mm-hmm. hideous lie right out of hell, because porn is not the same as biblical sex. Porn is personal gratification. I don't care about the other person at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, right. If they've been trafficked, if they've been whatever, I don't care. I want to look at this picture and I want to get my jollies. Mm-hmm. That's what porn is. Mm-hmm. And you compare that to sex. Yeah, because they see her as a masturbatory tool because they see masturbation is wrong. And I mean, I have my own theories on that. Uh, They're very nuanced. And anyway, we won't get onto that in this podcast. But because masturbation is a sin, Mm -hmm. he can only ejaculate if she lets him. And so what he needs to do instead is use her as a masturbatory tool. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to fall into temptation. Right. And he's going to sin. So it's better to use her as a masturbatory tool and make her feel used and make her feel disgusting. Yeah. Than it is, and so basically we're putting a, we're putting a, a a gun to women's heads all the time. Yeah, like we're not saying you have to, but if you don't, he's going to fall back into porn. Right, right, and we mm-hmm. expect that to be romantic and sexy and feel great. Yep. And when it doesn't, people blame women because they're not doing it enough. It's yeah. like it's crazy. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know, I was talking about um, obligation sex on Twitter this week, and a guy said, "Well, I mean, if she's not going to have sex, then why should I be expected to take her out on a date night?" Yeah, that's that's the the transactional nature. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you're going to get onto that next. Yeah, yeah. If she's if 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 she expects to be if she expects me to be there for her emotionally, I expect her to be there for me physically. Yeah, that's the mentality, mm-hmm. right? And it's very transactional. Yeah, and I just think like, is that the kind of relationship you want to have? Yeah, right. Where you buy sex with your time, mm-hmm. like, is that what we consider a good Christian marriage? Mm-hmm. Like that is just disgusting. But that's what's taught. Yeah. Well, you hear this a lot too. Um, Women will be told you can't expect him to talk to you if you don't have sex with him. Or how do you think, how do you think you would feel if he didn't talk to you for a week? That's how he feels if you don't have sex with him. Yeah. But but nobody ever asked the question this, okay? If you are the kind of person who can be in a relationship where you can emotionally disconnect from your partner because of something they did or said, and you are able to completely do that, and you feel you have the right to completely do that. Why are you not surprised when that partner doesn't want to have sex with you? Because you're a terrible person, mm-hmm. right? Like, like as much as you, you and I get mad at each other, right? And I sometimes want to just like emotionally disconnect from you because I'm mad with you today, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't because I love you. I, I can't mm-hmm. emotionally disconnect from you. Mm-hmm. But if you're the kind of person who can get on Twitter and go, well, if she's not going to give me what I need, I'm going to totally disconnect from her. Well, then you are the kind of person that no one wants to have sex with. Yeah. And it's your own fault. You're the one that needs to change, not her. Yep. Okay, so obligation sex, what it really says is that God values a man's ejaculation over a woman's spiritual, emotional, relational, physical safety. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Does that sound like God? Like people, do we know what we're saying? That God cares more that a man ejaculates whenever he wants than he does that she feels safe. So the, the rule that God has, if you are a single man, is no matter what your feelings are, you have to control your sexuality. Mm-hmm. No matter how you feel about it, you have to control your sexuality. Mm-hmm. But once you're married, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want to the woman you're married to mm-hmm. without her needing to want it or do it. You can just do that. Do we think that that's what God says? 
right? Like, that is ridiculous. What kind of God would say that? I expect you to control yourself, but once you are, once you're married, just, she's, she's there. You, you can, you can forget about her thoughts, forget about her feelings, forget about whether she's in the mood. You get it. And if she doesn't do that, then she's, she's sinning and I, and I'm not upset and I'm not pleased with her. Yep. Is that the God we believe in? Does God really love his sons that much more than he loves his daughters? Yep. I mean, that's ridiculous. And how is that even living out what Jesus said? The two basic things are, you know, yes. love the Lord, your God. Yeah. And love each other as you love yourself. Yeah. And men are actually told to love their wife as their own body. Mm-hmm. So you need to care about what your wife's body is going through. Mm, absolutely. And so to say that I get to use it is just really problematic. Now, again, please understand, we're not saying you're not supposed to have a good sex life, but we're saying this message will yeah. ruin it. Absolutely. Because you're missing the whole point of what sex is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think obligation sex affects the body. And that's that's one of the big things we looked at in the Great Sex Rescue. Um was just how this message affects women long term. And it is the most dangerous message that we looked at. Mm-hmm. Think about its effect on libido. When when women grow up hearing, you are obligated to give him sex. When we hear he has a need, you have the gift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when sex is turned into a male entitlement and a female obligation, why do we think women would want it? <laughs> yeah, You know, you're told growing up, you know what, you're probably not going to want it, but he needs it to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And you need to act excited about it or else he's going to feel bad. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not enjoying it, you need to moan so that he thinks you're enjoying it. You need to give him great heart words. Like as Shanti Feldon says, you know, even if you can't respond physically and you're not feeling good, make sure he feels good about what he's doing and don't correct him in the middle of sex. Like this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, you know, when you give her the obligation sex, you're saying, you don't matter. So you're saying to the woman, you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a traumatic message. And you know what our bodies do when we hear traumatic messages? They try to protect us. So even if your mind is like, no, you know what? I've got to do this. I love him. He needs it. Your body is like, I'm scared of this and I need to keep you from this because this hurts you. Because every time you think about having sex, you think about how you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Or, or that you, you, just, you just don't have agency over your own body. Right. And even if your husband isn't threatening you, mm-hmm. this is what we found with this message. Is like, even if your husband isn't the one giving you this message, even if it's all these terrible and books you're a, reading. A lot of guys out there would never, ever think that in a million years. Right. But they don't realize that their wives feel that way. Because they haven't read the books that their wife has. They haven't yeah. read The Love Dare. They haven't read Love and Respect. They haven't read Sheet Music. They haven't read For yeah. Women Only. They haven't read all of these books that say these things. Okay. So, so if you're a guy out there and, you know, like I would challenge you to say to your wife, I don't expect this out of you. I want this to be something that we do mutually because we both want to. And I don't ever, ever want you to feel like you have to, no matter what preacher or Christian author or mm-hmm. podcaster or whatever ever tells you. That's not the case for me. Yeah. I don't ever want you to feel obligated, ever, yeah. no matter what. Tell your wives that and let them know. Yeah, because when she grows up with this message, mm-hmm. when she internalizes this message, sex is something something which is automatically threatening to her, mm-hmm. even if you don't feel that way about it, yeah. even if you don't want her to feel that way about it, because she's feeling this means I don't matter mm-hmm. because that's what she's been told. And our bodies don't like things that mm-hmm. tell us that we don't matter. Our bodies don't want to do them. And so her libido is going to tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is not going to want sex. Like people do realize this. When you preach the obligation sex message, you basically make it that she will not want it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because why would she want something which is constantly telling her you don't matter? And not only do you not matter, you need to act totally contrary to what you're feeling yeah so you can't speak up during sex because it might make him feel bad you have to act like you're really into it no matter what he's doing to you because Mm -hmm. his needs matter and his feelings matter because his ego as we talked about last week on the for women only podcast his ego is so fragile Mm -hmm. that he can't handle it if you don't want this so you need to throw yourself into it and act like you like it even if you don't and our bodies don't like that Mm -hmm. And so women's bodies, women who believe the obligation sex message, they want sex less 
and our bodies interpreted as trauma because this message is one of the biggest reasons that evangelical women suffer from vaginismus at twice the rate of the general population, maybe even two and a half times the rate of the general population. Mm -hmm. So 22.6% of evangelical women suffer from vaginismus. Yeah. And that's a tightening of the vaginal wall, the muscles of the vaginal wall that makes penetration really painful, if not impossible. Mm -hmm. 7% have experienced this to the effect that they can't even have penetration. Mm-hmm. And if that is you, please read the grade sex rescue and please, please, please see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's the best way to help get through that. Mm-hmm. But this is affecting women's bodies. Yeah. This message is affecting women's bodies Yeah. because it shows women that you have trauma. And, and I think that we, as the conservative evangelical church need to grapple with this because i mean this is something that happens twice as often with our women um Mm -hmm. than outside of our walls right so this is something we need to own so sheila's idea is that at least part of the problem is this obligation sex message Mm -hmm. right so if you disagree okay well then what is the cause yeah if it's not this what is it why and, we, and you're going to have to do a study to show it because our study of 20,000 women showed that it did. Like, but nobody's even researching it. No, but I mean, people can't just say, I disagree. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, you can't just disagree. This is what the study showed. And um, we spoke at the uh, American Physiotherapist Convention last year because physiotherapists are so excited about this yeah. research. You can even take our course from that as continuing education credit for physiotherapists because we are explaining why evangelical women suffer from this. And so like this is big in the physiotherapy community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't just discount this. And if you agree that this could be the cause, mm-hmm. but you still want to preach obligation sex, then what you are in effect saying is that we don't mind women experiencing sexual pain twice as often as the general population mm-hmm. because it's more important for men to not be deprived than for women to hurt. Yeah, and not, not like just that, for men to not be deprived, but to, for men to ejaculate any time they want. Yeah. That, that's, that's the big thing. Well, yeah, however you... But like, yeah. men's comfort is more important than women's pain yeah. is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone would ever want to say that. But that's what you're doing mm-hmm. when you preach this message. Yeah, exactly. And to, to okay, so vaginismus is yeah. terrible. Low libido is terrible. Right. What's even worse, though, is how much the obligation sex message is correlated with marital rape. Mm, yeah. You know, because the obligation sex message does a lot of harm to women when they believe it, but their husband, even if their husbands don't. Mm-hmm. But when the husbands believe it, it can very quickly turn into rape because if she has to have sex to prevent something bad from happening that is coercion and that is rape Mm -hmm. so if she has to have sex or else he's going to give her the silent treatment for a week or else he's going to embarrass her in public or else he's going to yell at the kids so if she has to have sex to emotionally regulate him so that he doesn't yell at her or the kids if she has to have sex so that he doesn't yell at her till midnight about the first corinthians 7 passage and do not deprive if she has to have sex so that he will give her spending money or give her access to mm-hmm. money, these things are rape. Mm-hmm. Rape does not always look like someone holding you down. Although even in our focus groups for the Great Sex Rescue, we, we heard a lot of stories of that, yeah. of men physically holding women down. But rape happens when men feel so entitled to sex that when she doesn't do it, they see her as the problem and that gives them permission to treat her badly Mm -hmm. and so if she has to have sex to stop that that is coercive and that is rape and please remember that rape is illegal it took a long time but rape is illegal in all 50 states i believe um it's certainly illegal in canada in the uk and australia and new zealand um i'm not sure about other countries and Mm -hmm. so if you feel like you are a a victim of marital rape please call a domestic violence hotline Mm -hmm. this isn't okay And the reason why marital rape was not considered illegal for a long time in many places was because of this idea. Because the logical extension of the obligation sex message is that there can be no rape in marriage. Mm -hmm. And that is a hideous thing to think. Mm -hmm. But that is the logical extreme of obligation. If, If truly you are obligated, then if I take what you're obligated to give me, I'm not taking anything that I'm not already owed. Yeah. And that's horrendous. Yeah. And it needs to stop. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I fixed it for you on Instagram. And if you're not following me on Instagram, please yes. do. I'm just Sheila Gregoire on Instagram. I did a fixed it for you from Nancy Wilson, who is Doug Wilson's wife. Right. Doug Wilson is an extremely fundamentalist cult leader pastor in Moscow, Idaho, um, who is still liked by people like John Piper and others um, mm -hmm. who still quote him. Uh, but she wrote that, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not going to get this exactly correct. But, you know, he, she, she was talking about a wife's garden as being about, you know, him having sex and how a husband can't trespass in his garden. But he can be made to feel like he a trespasser. He can be made to feel like an intruder, but he can't trespass because yeah. it is his garden. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. this is That's this disgusting. is the whole problem. Disgusting. And marital rape only exists because of the obligation sex underpinning. And so even though not every man who believes in obligation sex will punish his wife mm -hmm. if she doesn't give him sex, some will. Mm -hmm. And some will who wouldn't otherwise had they not been indoctrinated with this message. Yeah. And so please, pastors, when you preach obligation sex, realize that there are some p women in your pews who will be raped because of that, who wouldn't have been raped otherwise. Because by teaching these men that this is something that they are owed and that they deserve and that they are entitled to, you are giving them permission to take. Mm -hmm. And some men will, not all men will, but some men will. And so you are causing rapes to happen when you spread this message. We did a, we did a, a podcast um, probably about two years ago now, I'm not sure how long ago, um, where Emerson Egrich received a, a letter from a woman who said she has to cry. Mm -hmm. she, she goes and she has a, in the shower and she cries every time before she has to initiate sex with her husband. And the reason she does this is because he's so abusive mm -hmm. if she doesn't have sex. And he told her what a gold mine she was and how, what a wonderful wife she was. And we did a long podcast on that. And then the woman who actually wrote the initial letter contacted us. Mm -hmm. She's now divorced yeah. and told us her story of how she endured years and years of marital rape. Mm -hmm. And she did it because she read Love and Respect. Mm -hmm. And she thought she had to. And then, and then she wrote to Emerson Eckridge and he told her how she was obedient and how she was a gold mine. Mm -hmm. It's not a gold mine when a wife endures yeah. marital rape. Yeah. And the obligation sex message is what causes it. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's heavy. all the heavy stuff. Heavy. I want to move on to the bigger picture stuff now, like what do we do? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've talked about the problems with the obligation sex message. Here's one thing I really, 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 really want people to understand. Getting rid of obligation sex does not mean you will never have sex again. Yes, this is what I want to talk about. Okay. I was thinking earlier, like, you know, people are worried mm -hmm. if they give up like the obligation sex message that sex is just going to go away in their marriage. Mm -hmm. Like they don't ask the question, why am I fearing that? They just, they, they're just afraid to give it up. So, mm -hmm. so do you have hope for people who want to give this up that it's actually going to be good? Yeah. Okay. So let me give you the data. Okay. All right. I'm going to list five things, everybody. Okay. So here we go. This is from the Great Sex Rescue. Here's what we found. Surveyed 20,000 women. When women frequently reach orgasm, mm -hmm. when they feel emotionally close during sex, when they have high marital satisfaction, when there is no porn use in the marriage, and when there is no sexual dysfunction, mm -hmm. frequency takes care of itself. Yeah. Like it's not like the couple isn't having sex. They actually do have sex because guess what? Women like sex too. I know this is really <laughs> radical, but when sex is good, women want it. Right. You know, because women were created to be sexual beings as well. Now, sometimes the reason that, that they may not feel emotionally close during sex does not have anything to do with the husband. It could be that they grew up and they were, um, they were a victim of child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And he might have been a victim of child sexual abuse too. Mm -hmm. And that could be some of the reason they're not feeling emotionally close. And so, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us have trauma that we need to work with, with trauma therapists. Um, you know, like it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong in the relationship. She could have grown up and heard all these terrible obligation sex messages and that makes her not feel close. So then she needs to read The Great Sex Rescue, okay? Right. But in general, when those things are present, sex isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I want people to understand. When there isn't sex happening, sex is not the issue. Yeah. <laughs> because women enjoy great sex too. Yeah. Like, okay, chocolate cake. 
Right. I love chocolate cake. <laughs> yes, you no do. No one needs to say to me, hey, Sheila, you should eat the chocolate cake. Why they, aren't you eating more chocolate cake? Right. They <laughs> need to say, hey, Sheila, let's not eat it all before breakfast. Okay? <laughs> because my biggest problem is not eating the chocolate cake. Right. Because if something is good, you're going to want to do it. So what we need to be start asking isn't like, like, okay, how can I get her to have sex more? Right. It's, wait a minute. Why is she or he, because yeah. it could be him too, it's just the obligation sex message is overwhelmingly given to women. But as we're trying to deconstruct this, we can make it more gender neutral, all right? But why aren't yeah. either of them wanting it? Yeah. Because this is yeah. supposed to be something good. And yeah. so instead of saying, hey, don't deprive each other, let's say, oh, there must be something going on. Right. And this is the issue. This is the difference between curiosity and dogmatism, right? So if sex is not happening at the frequency you want in your relationship, mm-hmm. why is the attitude not curiosity? Yeah. Why is that? What's going on? What's the issue here? I honestly want to ner- learn. Mm-hmm. Instead, what we do is dogmatism. You are owed sex. She she needs to give it to you. Get her in line. Mm-hmm. Like, that's terrible. Like, wh- wh- if we ask the question honestly, maybe there's something that I could do differently that would make her want it more. Yeah. And why are we not open to learning that? Yeah. I have a, a blog post. I'm not going to go into them all now, but 10 questions that you can ask if your wife doesn't want sex just mm-hmm. to start like, okay, what is the curiosity? And I will, I will link to that um, mm-hmm. in the podcast notes. But, you know, just think about those five things, you know, which, which of them is it? You well, know, one of the things that I find interesting is like a lot of guys say, uh, we had, we, we, before we got married, my wife was kind of all over me all the time. And then when we got married, we could actually have sex. She doesn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a big thing, too. And that that's one of the reasons people people preach obligation sex, because they're like, hey, you were like that before marriage, and now you're not. You need to smarten up women and get back to, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But the thing is, dude, like, think about it, okay? So if you're talking about a Christian couple who were stopping, they were not going to have sex before they get married, what were those, you know, she was all over me episodes like? You were emotionally close. Mm-hmm. You were trying to hold back from each other. You were teasing each other. You were kissing. You were holding hands. You might be making out. And it went on for a long, long time because you couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And then now you get married and you expect to just jump in mm-hmm. and like cannonball right into the deep end of the pool. And that's the mm-hmm. same. It's not the same thing, dude. She didn't change. You did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or- so have the curiosity to go like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Before we we got married, she was all over me because... We were very intimate. And now I'm expecting sex to be like that. And that's a problem with me, not with her. And I need to change and slow down and be a bit more attentive. Like that curiosity allows you to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And then you fix the problem. And now guess what? You're both having awesome sex that you both love. As opposed to her feeling obligated and you both have obligation sex, which you both hate. Yeah, exactly. You know, Sheet Music opened with uh, the story of Mark and Brenda. That's how Kevin Lehman opens the book. And they have two kids and Brenda is working and she's just so busy with the kids and Mark's just feeling really neglected. And he tries to book a date night and she complains because it's really hard to get a babysitter. And why didn't he think of this first? And so he pouts and he goes, watches porn. And now his porn habit is getting worse. And after telling this whole story, Lehman's takeaway is what Brenda doesn't realize is how much the sexual drought is going to cost her in the long run. Mm -hmm. He never says what Mark needs to realize. Yeah. And it's like, Mark, dude, why are you watching porn when your wife is busy with the kids? Yeah. I mean, why are you watching porn at all? Yeah. But like, why don't you just get, if your wife is so exhausted because she's so busy with the kids after working all day, maybe if you were as busy with the kids as she was, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be so worried about sexual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like they're your kids too, Mark. Um, and maybe yeah. what Mark needs to realize is if he keeps watching porn while neglecting his children, why does his wife even need him? She's already a single mother. Right. effectively she could do this a lot right. better on her own yeah like <laughs> this is one of the things that bugs me the obligation sex message especially around babies and stuff it's like you need to make sure that he feels like a man yeah you give him sex all the time when you have small kids so that he doesn't feel jealous of the baby yeah like i've heard that jealous of the oh, baby yeah. like at what point yeah, gary thomas talks about having an affair with your baby yeah yeah like so we don't want the man to feel jealous of the baby mm-hmm. like at what point did we as christian men like hear that kind of stuff and not be incensed. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous of my own child. Like you think I'm jealous of my own child? What kind of disgusting person do you think I am? Like mm-hmm. this is my child. I love my child. Yeah. Like 
like, how is this considered to be a normal way of looking at a father-child relationship and a, mm-hmm. you know, husband-wife relationship? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I want to read you an email that came right. in. Okay, mm-hmm. so here's an email that I got just today because I've been talking about obligation sex a lot on the blog. And if you, um, th- that's been our series. So every Monday I've had posts on obligation sex. We've run through a lot of the themes today, but not all of them. And there's there's a lot more stuff there. So you can go look. Um, I'll put a link to the first one and then all the other ones are, are, are linked. But after this thing, he wrote this. The awesome love life we used to share is gone. Um, she used to be the one who initiated and I always tried to make sure she finished first. You know, you have made women feel that it's all about them and their pleasure. Good husbands are getting dumped for no reason. And so he's talking about how her wife no longer, now how his wife no longer, um, wants sex and has just given up. Yeah. Because I I read that post where you said that women should strike their husbands and never have sex. I remember that post. When was that? Oh, then never. (laughs) But I, okay. I just love this. So here's what he's assuming. He's saying, we used to have an awesome love life. She initiated all the time. That's actually a red flag. If a wife initiates all the time, that usually means that there's some... She feels obligated. She feels very obligated. And there's some weird emotional dynamics where he's like pressuring her to do this because he wants to feel... Anyway. she, She always, she always initiated. But now that she's not initiating, he's incensed he's really angry. yeah and so it's like there was an expectation of her to and she that. was reaching orgasm but she stopped sex altogether and he's like and she did it for no reason yeah. absolutely it reminds me of the emperor's new groove right you heard the emperor's <laughs> new groove <laughs> yeah so this, how, when did, was that no, no, we quote this line all the time, time in our family so, so the emperor's new groove is a is a story it's a it's an animation cartoon about this like emperor from uh Cusco. Inca. Cusco. Cusco from yes. the Incan Empire. Yes. And he was the most self-centered, egotistical, yeah. you know, tor- horrible person. And everybody around him, like, brought mm-hmm. about his downfall because he because they hated him. Mm-hmm. And that was his line. I was the nicest guy in the world and they ruined my life for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> because zero insight. Yeah. Zero insight. And, and so this that's, is- this, that's what this guy, this guy sounds mm-hmm. like, okay? Mm-hmm. So sex does not suddenly dry up one day. Yeah. What happens is... You're being given a message repeatedly. You're being given a message repeatedly over months and years and decades mm-hmm. by, your, by your wife. I want to be valued. I want to be cherished. I, I, like, and you ignore it because you feel you have a right to things. Mm-hmm. And then finally one day she goes, that's it. You're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. You're never going to value me. So I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the man says, well, it's all her fault. Yeah. No. No, no, no. You ignored, you ignored, you ignored, and now you're reaping the consequences of your actions. It's time for you to go back and make it right. Um, it's, it's not about time for you to give her more obligation. I mean, she clearly was feeling obligated. Yeah. This guy's response should be, did you feel obligated? I am so sorry. I don't ever want you to feel obligated again. How can I prove that to you? Mm-hmm. Right? And if he had that attitude, I don't think that she would be shutting him out yeah you know what he's saying like she always initiated he made sure that she reached orgasm but then he didn't even say that he said i always tried to make sure yeah she, she yeah that's true things. um like that a lot of abused women could write that same thing right you know um just because you're abused doesn't mean that you don't reach orgasm but the dynamics can still be very abusive well, well a lot of them and in some marriages too it's like it's like he requires her requires to. her to have an orgasm because that shows that he's done a, he's done a good job. Yeah. And she's like, I've got to have an orgasm because otherwise he'll feel like he's a bad lover. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if you're trying to rebuild, mm-hmm. I have a great series on um, four steps to rebuild after something like this. But just to sum up, what I would say is if obligation has been in your marriage mm-hmm. and if sex just isn't happening or your marriage is all messed up because of it, Take intercourse off the table for a while. Take his ejaculation off the table for a while, his orgasm. And let's just work on where she's comfortable because her body needs to know I'm not Mm -hmm. under threat. Because, you know, right now, likely her libido has tanked. You know, she may have sexual pain. All of these things are happening. And you can't just make your body turn on. It takes a while to reset. And so we talk about this in our orgasm course too, but like you might need to take stuff off the table for an extended period of time so that she knows I am safe mm-hmm. because her libido cannot get turned on until she knows I am safe. 
And we talked to so many women whose husbands, when they realized that their wives felt obligated, they said, wait a minute, I never want you to do anything you don't want to do, ever. Like even if we're in the middle of something and you change your mind, I want you to speak up. And that's what helped so many women finally become orgasmic was when they realized, wait a minute, I really am allowed to say no. Mm -hmm. And so you may need to do that. Like take sex off the table for a while, or maybe it's not that level. And just, just have that conversation about how, if you ever feel like you don't want to do it, please stop. And then show your wife and follow through that. Yeah, I can kiss her. I can roll over and go to sleep without punishing her Mm -hmm. because she needs to know there aren't negative consequences for this. Right. But again, the big message that I really, really want people to hear is sex is the symptom. It's not the problem. People do not give up sex for no reason. This, the way this guy is talking in this email, it makes it sound like he thinks she's crazy. Mm-hmm. right? Oh, you just can't believe those women. They're just nuts. They just give up sex for no reason, mm-hmm. right? People don't do that. Mm-hmm. People don't stop doing something which is good for no reason. And so if someone isn't having sex, there is a reason. Um, I heard I heard a, wo- a woman um, wrote well, to can, me. Can I just say something about that too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this guy, okay, if she's giving up sex for, she's giving up sex completely. Mm-hmm. Where is his, why? Like, what's wrong with her? Like, is she okay? Yep. There's no concern for her whatsoever no. in this in this room because he thinks it's all about him. Yeah. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that that's a problem because we teach men it's all about you. Yeah. It should be about you couple, not you man. Yeah. I don't know. And here's another example. It's... This is flipped, but a woman was saying, you know, my husband withholds sex. Right. So, and sometimes sex, sometimes people do withhold just out of selfishness. Cause I was arguing that people don't do it out of selfishness in right. general. Like that's such a low number. People mm-hmm. keep talking to me about how many women withhold out of selfishness. No, they're just bearing all the mental load. They're exhausted. You know, yeah. like jump in there with the kids, jump in there with the housework, take some of the mental load away, let her not feel so exhausted. Maybe she'll have some, some margin so that sex can grow again right. and desire can grow again. But anyway, so this woman was saying, well, no, sometimes men do withhold just out of selfishness. And she said, like, my husband watches porn and then he withholds out of selfishness. But even there, yeah. sex isn't the issue. Porn is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's yeah. the like when you ask, why is my husband withholding? I mean, yes, he's selfish, but it's, it, he's selfish because of the porn. Like, it's the porn that is the issue. So it's not sex that needs to be dealt with. It's the porn. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing. When, when sex isn't happening, let's start asking why. You know, whether it's the man or the woman, why? Okay. And, and really want to know the answer. Mm-hmm. Even if it means that I have to change my attitude. Yeah. If yeah. It... And so let me just reiterate. If you're listening and you're a victim of obligation sex, you do not need to consent to one-sided sex where you feel used. Mm-hmm. And what good Christian man would want that? Yeah. Right? You do not need to consent to one-sided sex where you feel used because that isn't sex. Mm-hmm. Sex is something which is mutual, intimate, and pleasurable for both. And it is okay for you to say, let's work on how to create a marriage where we can have something which is intimate, mutual, and pleasurable for both. And if you need any sense of obligation to make sex happen in your marriage, Mm -hmm. that means you've got issues you need to work on. Yeah. Because if the idea of giving your spouse, your wife, complete Mm -hmm. freedom yes or no, if that terrifies you, there may be a reason for that. And you may need to do some soul searching yourself to find out what the issue is. If you're afraid that if you say to your wife, I don't want you to ever feel obligated, that sex is going to dry up in your marriage, Mm -hmm. that should be a big siren in your life that maybe I have been entitled. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have had internalized a lot of these mindsets Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about through this podcast. And maybe I need to break those strongholds. Mm -hmm. And maybe I need to humble myself and get back to this being about us and not about me yeah and you know what we have surveyed men as well and Mm -hmm. let me tell you the couples that have the best sex are the couples who do not believe in obligation sex so you need to let this go sex is something which is supposed to unite you Mm -hmm. and you cannot have a knowing if there is also an owing Mm -hmm. sex is a knowing not an owing So we are going to have the resources for the um, Obligation Sex Series in the podcast notes. 
for my um, post on or for my series on four steps to recovery, if this has been your story. Uh, and also for the 10 questions that you can ask your wife if she doesn't want sex. So if you need to go deeper, those are ways. We also have a great resource if you want to talk to your church leaders about obligation sex called the Great Sex Rescue Toolkit. Um, it's We put together some amazing handouts of each of our individual findings for the different teachings. And we have one specifically on obligation sex that talks about all the data, all, you know, all the outcomes from obligation sex, how to talk about this differently, as well as our handouts on modesty and on porn and on all the other messages that were given. Um, and I will put a link to it. It's, it's a pay what you want. So we don't even really have a price on it. I think it's at $3 in the store, but we're just asking people to give what you can. So if you can't give anything more than that, that's fine. If you want to give us a gift, you know, you can even pay more than the $3. Um, anything would be, would be, we'd be grateful for, but we just want to get this in people's hands. So show it to your pastor, show it to your small group leader, show it to your women's ministry leader, but let's get rid of the obligation sex message. It doesn't work. It's untrue and it's not biblical. So we need to let it go. Yep. So thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. I always love it when you're here. (laughs) Um, And thank you for joining us on the Bear Marriage Podcast. You remember that you can help us by wherever you listen to this podcast, please rate it five star um, and tell other people about it. Just the more you rate it, the more it helps other people find us. So that's something simple that you can do to help us. Um, If you've read The Great Sex Rescue or She Deserves Better, um, if you can leave a review for that on Amazon or Goodreads, that helps us immensely too. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of this community. And we will see you again on the Bear Marriage Podcast. (laughs) Bye-bye.